Welcome to Diary of an Unemployed Actor with me, Milo Dennison. Today, I am joined by voiceover artist, Maccabee Griffin. Thanks for coming on the show, Maccabee. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Where is that name from? Because I've never heard that before. Uh, it is in Second Kings. Uh, if you know uh, Judas Maccabee, he was one of the people involved in the rebellion against the, uh, I believe it was the Romans or Greeks, uh, when they tried to, um, when they when they tried to oppress the Jewish uh, traditions. My dad uh, went through the Bible and uh, pretty much picked everything out of that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that works, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it's great talking to you because, of course, uh, voiceover work is an interesting area, and I think it's an area that, as actors, especially since you live in Indiana, uh, you can potentially do voiceover work anywhere, right? Because you're basically can record it at home. I'm assuming you have a home studio, correct? I do. Okay. With your home studio, is that the uh, did you take like closet sound pad it and put a microphone in there with you or uh, what, what's your home studio like? Uh, currently right now, um, because I'm actually in between homes um, right now, we have my studio in my, my actual uh, closet with some clothes around it to uh, muffle all the sounds. So that and uh, some of my, uh, my friends, uh, Dungeon and Dragons, uh, minis that's a that's a lot of stuff okay well let's get into voice work so what got you into voice acting because i read your bio and correct me if i'm wrong here you studied acting but then you had joined the military and then you got like a regular nine to five job and then went back into acting is that correct Mm -hmm. um i've been i started acting or wanting to act when I was around six, um, I saw one of my close friends at the time. Uh, she was involved in a church uh, program, and I I saw her on stage and how people were uh, being enthralled in what they were doing. And I was just like, I need to do that. I want to do that. And so, you know, I I did summer stock theater uh, with the local area, uh, community theater, uh, Shawnee Theater, and Bloomfield. And after that, I went to college for it. Um, and then, of course, this was around the time of uh, 9-11. So um, I graduated, but I, I just felt like there was something else I needed to do. Um, tried to get into the military at that time. Uh, it didn't work out. So I had to wait a little while. Followed my, uh, at that time, my girlfriend, uh, now wife for almost 16 years, north to Muncie, Indiana, where she went to Ball State, and just waited until I could join, and uh, joined in 2005, did, uh, did that for almost nine and a half years. Do you mind me asking why, why were you unable to join? Because if you're out of college, then you would have been over 18. Yes. Um, for some reason, there was uh, circumstances at that time. Um, they didn't feel like I was... Mature enough at that time, I guess. Um, obviously, as you know, someone very young, just on their uh, on their own for 
not very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't the very most mature, and uh, they did a psych console on me. Thought that I was somewhat crazy. Don't know why, but they did. Uh, this was the Air Force too, by the way. Okay. Um, they said I was uh, quote unquote legally insane with multiple personalities. Wow. And uh, yeah, no, that's what I thought too. Were you like, no, I just studied theater. Like it's it's par par for the course. You're you're not too far off. I actually looked at him and go, yeah. And how do you think <laughs> I get all my characters? <laughs> he didn't like that answer. So what they had to do is, unfortunately, they said that uh, you had to wait a certain amount of time to even try it. So unfortunately, I had to wait till 2005 to actually try to get. Huh. And this time, I actually went into the army instead. And then you did a couple tours, correct? And before mm-hmm. going back, I did. I uh, I was a unit supply clerk with the Third uh, Squadron U.S. Cavalry uh, with 25th IAD uh, Infantry Division. Excuse me. And I did uh, two tours with them out of Hawaii and. Um, after that, was stationed in uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana, for the rest of my time. Mm. Once, once I got out on uh, medical uh, retirement due to uh, my body just not being able to handle it anymore, um, I got out, tried to go to school, thought I'd do logistics instead, because obviously I did that for almost 10 years, so I was like, yeah, I can do this. It was not for me. So I did the nine to five job, and then all of a sudden, around a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm inspired by these voiceover actors and of critical role, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to get back and do what God made me to do in the first place. Why voice acting? What versus theater? Um, don't get me wrong. I love doing theater. You know, if I, if I could do stage theater, I would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but sometimes with that, you are physically bound to what you look like. And if you can actually uh, present the part the way that they see it. Um, and sometimes that's a little bit more difficult. However, with voiceover, it's literally you're just your voice and what you can do with it. You know, especially for video games. I love video games. I grew up with video games. And uh, my son loves video games. So I was like, you know what? At some point, you know, I can do animation. I, I always loved doing, uh, watching cartoons. Like I can do that, and you know, I just started working with little voices here and there. Um, tried doing accents, still working on accents, but you know, it's just one of those things. Like it's easier to me, I believe, that you can put yourself out there with your voice, maybe get the same amount of time, but even though you could possibly do things that you never thought you could do. You know, if I could, if I, once I work on my, um, my accents, you know, I could pull in that. If I was on stage, majority of the time, they would say, no, you can't do that because of the fact that you don't look the part. Yeah, I talked to, obviously, I talked to a lot of actors, and it's always an interesting discussion because so much of how you get cast in something is simply based on your appearance. You walk into the mm-hmm. audition, and it's like, does this look like the character? Yes, no. And if the answer is no, that's pretty much as far as you're going to get. And then even before you walk in there, I mean, it's based on your headshot. Yeah. And that's the great thing about voiceover is no matter what you look like, if you sound the part, hey, you got the part. Yeah. 
were, did you then start studying voice specifically? Like, I'm curious, is there classes or workshops that deal specifically with how to be a voice actor? Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's so many companies out there um, that will help you to do what you want to do. Um, there are one that I actually went through was a, a company called Such a Voice. And they not only helped me link up with uh, voice act or voice coaches, they also helped me to actually produce my uh, my demos. And with those demos, they actually did the scripting. So all I had to do was go into a studio, do what they you know what they wrote down for me, and that was it. And then after that, they helped me with marketing. They've helped me with um, just being able to get myself out there, you know, getting my homepage up, my temporary homepage at this point. I'm actually working on getting a another one up and running, actually under my name instead. And there are plenty of people that do that. There's plenty of companies out there that do that. You just have to do your research and figure out which one's right for you. Do you find that you do more of a specific type of voiceover work, like, you know, ads versus playing characters? It's always hit and miss. You know, you can audition on all these online voiceover pages. You can go to regular auditions outside of into regular physical places and audition you know, there. But to me, you will see a lot of commercial audio books. You'll see a lot of um, business tutorials, um, websites, all those other things for that are more towards a commercial-based narration, it's it's hard to get into audiobooks. I'm actually working on a book right now through a company called, uh, it's a nonprofit organization called uh, Learning Ally, where voiceover actors actually read audiobooks for children with dyslexia. And it's, it's, a, it's a volunteer, which I have no problem with, because again, I haven't done audiobooks before. So this is my way of doing it. And I'm loving it, honestly. I'm seeing how hard it, it really is to do that because you have to you have to do all your editing. Obviously as a voiceover actor with your own home studio, you have to edit when it comes to audiobooks because you may see an audiobook was only for you know two hours and fifty five minutes. Well it takes more than two hours and fifty five minutes to actually do the audio uh, with editing and all that, you know, it could take up to, for me, possibly, you know, you could take up to 10, 15, 20 hours, depending on what you're doing, how well you're doing. Yeah, because if you're reading, I expect, like, let's say you you mess up at some point while you're reading, you then have to back yourself up and kind of start that section over from where the mess up is. And then when you're editing it, you got to edit that out. Yep. You're you're your points where you uh, you may hit a, a P too hard. You may breathe at a certain spot, or you may hear a some type of uh, mouth sound, or you have you know outside environmental sounds that you didn't hear before. You're gonna have to retract all that, get rid of some of that noise, but a lot of it's still built into your voice, so you have to start all over again sometimes. Yeah. Nowadays, it's funny how as performers, it's not so much just yourself 
performing in voiceover or acting that you need to know all these other tools as well. So it's so you, how you mentioned that you need to edit a lot of your own stuff as well. And it's same with actors. Now, when they do auditions, they're doing self tapes. So they need to now know how to do a little bit of video editing to edit uh, their self tapes out. I think it's funny that some people, when they, when they look at you and they say, okay, you're a voiceover actor, that's not hard. I'm like, ah. Or an actor in general, especially at these times, because of the fact that you have so many things you have to do. You have to have the right lighting if you're doing a video audition. You have to make sure you look proper. You make sure that your background is good. Uh, it's neutral or it's um, a neutral color or whatever the case may be. You got to make sure that the, there's not a lot of extra sound in the background. It's the exact same thing with voiceover. Exact same thing, except for the video part, obviously. Yeah. But it's not that easy. It really is not that easy. I think another thing is great is that um, even if, you're, if you've never done voiceover work before, if you're a singer, you know, that's a great way of helping yourself out because it helps you with your breathing. It helps you with your posture. It helps you with your, your range because, you know, currently right now you can hear my voice is pretty neutral and everything. A little bit of an accent lock possibly. But you know, you can always get to the lower voices. You can always go to the higher voices. And, and those ranges with, with your, your voice help you so much because it, even though it doesn't sound like it coincides with it, it actually helps because of the fact, again, your voice is, your throat is your instrument. You take care of that, it's going to take care of you. Simple as that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I want to ask you, Nowadays, there's been recently with a lot of uh, actors, especially voiceover actors, coming out saying that they won't read certain types of roles. Hank Azara came out recently and said that he won't do the voice of Apu on The Simpsons anymore. Um, the guy that does the voice of, um, uh, I can't think of his name, but one of the characters on Family Guy, um, Cleveland is the character's name. I can't think of the actor's name. Same thing, said that he's not going to do that voice anymore. And I'm curious, as a voiceover actor, do you have an opinion on this? With me, it's it's a double-edged sword because of the fact that I am a I'm a 40-year-old African-American male, and you know, seeing it from a certain point of view, a voice is a voice to me. If you can do the voice and it sounds good with that voice, then you should be able to do it. As a black man. It's hard. It's like I said, it's a double-edged sword for me because I feel like if you're doing a black character, why don't you have a black actor do it? It's the same thing with stage. You wouldn't have a, a, a white person playing a black person. You wouldn't have, you know, an Indian person playing a Chinese person. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. So I see it from an industry point of view that, yes, if you, if you can't do it on stage or in front of a video or in, in front of a on video, then you shouldn't do. I got it. But again, like for instance, Abu, we've grown up with this character sounding specifically this way for so long that it would be extremely hard for fans to realize that's not Abu. Now, if they can sound the same, by all means, go for it. If they can sound better, by all means, go for it. But I think it's a hard subject to come around and comprehend, especially when, when you are someone who is an African-American in these days, who is a voiceover actor. 
Yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to ask you that question because, you know, you know, how would you respond if somebody say, well, you know, you can't do this voice because it's a white character, you know, then it'd be like, well, that's even more offensive, right? Then, so it, it, it's a hard balance. For me, I, I don't, to tell me that I couldn't do a white voice is kind of difficult to say just because of the fact growing up in Indiana, you know, being adopted into a white family, being around literally nothing but whites and people telling you, oh, you're not black, you're just a white guy with a really good tan. To me, it's like, okay, what does a white person sound like? What does a black person sound like? And it's always difficult for me to deal with that because there's the view of what it actually is because, like I said, I'm a black person, a black guy with this voice. Most people wouldn't think that because of the fact I don't speak a certain way. I don't have a certain certain way of speaking. But there's tons of people that are so different. I, there's so many black people that are not in, you know, in, in the inner city, in the urban city. There's tons of us that are, you know, in small towns. There's tons of us that are in southern areas that are, you know, more um, more country. You know, I grew up with people like that. I served with people like that. So to me, having a voice specifically to a an actual uh, character, actual race, is really hard for me to understand because of that fact. Yeah. But if you can do it, go for it. If you can do it, do it. If you can't, don't do it. Simple as that. That's kind of my opinion, and I don't. You know, I obviously don't want to offend anyone listening to the podcast, but it's kind of, you know, if you if you can do the voice, it's a voice. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it, yeah, it, that's the, that's I think like we were talking earlier, that's the advantage of being a voiceover actor is the fact that it's not based on your appearance; it's based on your voice. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I've, you know, obviously, I'm a I can't really speak myself to uh, you know people being discriminated against as as a white male, mm-hmm. so I don't have that opposite point of view. So it's kind of hard for me to. To, to say one way or the other. Uh, so it's interesting well, to see kind of your point of view. Here's, here's, the, here's the other thing for people that are white. Think of it this way. Think of it as where you, you were born, where, what type of heritage you came up with. Think about, especially during the early, uh, early centuries of the you know, 1910, 1920s, you know, New York City. Even though people were all, majority of people in that area were all white, there were plenty of people that were European. You know, you had Jewish people in there. You had people from Poland, from all over Europe. And then, of course, you had people that grew up in America. Well, even still, even if they were white, just because they were from Ireland and they had a certain accent, they were still discriminated because of the fact of what they looked like, what they sounded like. They were thought of as being an idiot because of the fact of the way they looked, the way they sounded. You know, if they were Jewish, they were. Uh, told that they were just money grubbers, especially especially if you look at the media during that time. You know, it didn't matter what your 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 skin tone was; it was the way that where you came from. You know, and I, I think for white people, they have to realize something is that. And I take that back. I, re, I retract that phrase. I believe everybody, no matter what your race, your color, your creed, your religion, anything. Your sex, I don't care what it is. 
if you can't look back at our history, then you're not going to learn from it. If you want to try to erase it because it's not, it's not what you want, or you don't, you, you feel too bad, you feel pity for that group, you are doing a disservice to the generations from the, before you and after you. Because here's the thing, a whole country, Germany, they got rid of, and I've only heard, I've only been told this by someone who was specifically from Germany when I was taking German class. She was actually from Germany. She told me that they literally blacked out everything the whole time that the Nazis came into play to the time that they were out. That whole time frame is deleted out of history. It doesn't make sense to me. Why would you do that if you can't? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that's really well said, and it and it's interesting that you brought up Germany because I've I've been there a few times. My my girlfriend's actually German, and uh, and they do that. Like, if you get caught reading the um, uh, what what I can't remember Hitler's book that he wrote, uh, Mein Mein Kampf. Oh right? yeah, that's yeah. that like like that's illegal. That's an arrestable offense, and. Mm-hmm to think in America where we've had situations with books being banned and how offensive that is of like, you know, you might not agree with the book, don't ban it, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, just don't read it. Yeah, exactly. Don't, you know, because of, you know, the use of certain words in, in the books, that's fine. Don't read it, but you got to take it into the context in which it was written in Germany. You're, you're absolutely right. They're very like any paraphernalia that's a restful offense because they're even to this generation, they're still so absorbed into what happened in World War II and what Germany did that even though they weren't, people weren't, many people living weren't born then and their parents are, and the children are still feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And it's fine to know about it and to learn from it and to remember that it happened, but to wipe away that history, it doesn't make it go away and it doesn't change it. And it potentially makes it happen again, because if you don't remember the fact that it happened, well, then what's to stop? We've been doing that for, for, <laughs> for millennial. We've been doing it for so long. For instance, you know, the Romans, when they got rid of various um, pagan cultures, in their mind, pagan cultures. Okay, well, those traditions are no longer here. However, we should have learned from them. If you, live, if you try to get rid of a whole race or a whole culture what are you missing that's the great thing about this world we have so many cultures we have so many things that we can do and learn from you know for me i love i love things that are from ireland i love things that are from scotland i I love things from japan from france everywhere i love it i love different cultures because of the fact they have such a broad range of thinking you know, and, and even other religions. You know, I I I am a I'm a I'm a Christian. Am I the, the greatest Christian in the world? God, no, I am not perfect by any means necessary. But that does not mean I cannot be friends with someone who is a wicked. I can't ha- have friends that are or colleagues that are Muslim or Jewish or whatever the case may be. Do I, from a Christian point of view, do I feel like they are sinning? Yes, but I also know that Jesus said, and I quote, and forgive me if I'm making this too religious or political, he stated to this, love thy neighbor as thyself. Okay, that's fine. I will do that 
because they treat me right, I treat them right. They treat me wrong, okay, I'll just go somewhere else. That doesn't mean I have to hate them or do something so much that's going to impact the world because of the fact I don't like something they said or they do or they love. They love. I can't do that because that's stupid. And even it, and I'll bring it into the industry in this fact. If you can't look at somebody and just because of what they said and what they are, what's the point? Martin Luther King, when he did the march, he basically stated, and I, forgive me, I can't get the wording right the best, it, it, it has to do with who they are. You know, being, being told that you can't do something because of the way you look, the way that you uh, sound, is idiotic to me especially in his mindset as well. You know, it doesn't make sense. And for someone, like he said, saying that I won't do this voice because I'm afraid that I'm going to offend a whole culture, it's a character. It's not you being specifically that person. It's a character. Yep. No, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we did get a little off track there, um, but I... Apologize. <laughs> no worries. No, I think it was well said, and I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, it'd be nice if more people, especially these days, had that kind of an attitude. I mean, it's fine to disagree with somebody or have differing points of oh. views, but, you know, don't hate them for it. Just, you know, yeah. have a differing point of view. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. You know, and, and take that as, as an actor. It's good to have that, you know, range of people around you because then as performers or writers or whatever, it's the people that you interact with that you take from and create into character. So if I need to do, you mentioned Ireland a few times, if I need to do an Ireland accent, it certainly would be helpful to know somebody who's Irish that you could kind of talk mm -hmm. to and try to emulate a little bit or uh, any other kind of thing. Yeah, because if you, if you know the culture of the character, then it's going to help you out in the way you react to certain things, the way that you think of ideologies, the way you speak, the way you walk, the way you talk, everything. It's, it's very simple, the way you think. So, like I said, if you get rid of a whole culture, how the heck are you going to supposed to be a character for that culture? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Absolutely. All right. Uh, here's a question for you: How do you um, promote yourself as a voiceover actor? Like, how do you get uh, you know work that type of stuff? Um, Turning it back to the voiceover work stuff. That's <laughs> obviously, obviously, yes, yes. Let's go back to that, please, because that's why we were doing this. Um, <laughs> For me, it's it, the best way to do it is to think of it three ways. You know, you have big fish in a small pond, medium fish in a medium pond, and a small fish in a big pond. So depending on your thinking, you know, you promote yourself to businesses that are close to you, you know, small mom paw restaurants that you enjoy going to, saying, hey, I love this place. I would love to help you, you know, get your name out even more. By doing a commercial with you, we can go to the local radio station and work with them. Um, promoting yourself to small businesses around you first helps out. You know, if you're in a like for me, I live in Bloomington. Okay, that's Indiana University. Okay, I can go to the in, I can go to the university and say, hey, I'm a voiceover actor. I can help. I would love to work with students that you have for media. <clears throat> Excuse me that are doing, you know, video games, voice of characters, um, commercials. I would love to help you guys with that. You know, getting yourself out there is really hard. You can, you can do cold calling to 
local businesses, uh, advertising companies all over the world, if you want to, if you can. Um, I also do, you know, going on online auditions, you know, voices.com, voiceover, one, two, or voices, one, two, three, your LinkedIn company, your being LinkedIn. Um, my information's there. It's, it's just the way the marketing is really, it's a hit and miss. It's always hit and miss. You know, you may call 15 companies one day and, you know, they'll take your stuff, they'll take your, your name and stuff, but it doesn't mean you're going to get, you know, a job with you may get lucky and get all 15. You may not get lucky and get none of them. At least they know your stuff. And when something comes around, hey, you know, we heard you a while back. You know, we loved your stuff. You'd be perfect for this project. Can you do it? Yeah, absolutely. Getting yourself out, you know, worldwide, old school way, walking to business to business. You know, it, it, it's, it, you're doing more work getting yourself out there than you are receiving it sometimes. And then, you know, sometimes it's just plain luck. Yep, absolutely. How do you deal then with getting no as a response or we're not interested or thank you, uh, see you later? When I first started this, it got me down a lot. I mean, I would look at the numbers and just, I would just beat myself up and say, why do I want to do this? I can't do this anymore. And, and you know, you, get, you can't get yourself into that, that point in your life because if you do that, you're never going to succeed. Um, there was something Steve Harvey said a long time ago that uh, always stuck with me as saying that you have to keep going. Even if someone tells you no, even if you have no one supporting you or you just have one person supporting you, that support, keep going. You will succeed. It takes time sometimes. I've been doing this for almost two years. I started out on you know, starnow.com, you know, doing stuff that, that I didn't get paid for. I did it anyways because it built up my portfolio for people to see what I can do. Because of that, I was able to get other businesses recently saying, hey, we want you. Okay, cool. Got it. I will do it. So going almost a year and a half without getting paid, it, it's, I mean, it, it feel, you feel like a, 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 a failure a lot. But like I said, in anything we do, just keep doing it. Just keep going. You will get your spot. Yep. And it gets you, you're, exactly, you get the experience of doing the work. Even if you're not getting paid for it, you get stuff for your demo reel. And it trains you, uh, your voice a little bit, I would imagine. And so that way you kind of learn on how you can improve upon it and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely your editing skills, especially as a voiceover actor. The more work you do better that you get better at it, the quicker that you get things done, and the quicker that you can hear things and say, okay, that didn't work, I will do it this way. Have you ever said no to a a project? At this time, no. (laughs) No. I think the best way to not get into that position is to actually understand what you're auditioning for. If you know specifically saying that, you know, I need an Irish accent for that. Okay, I can't do an Irish accent. I'm not doing that project. If something came up and said, yes, we want you to be this specific character and speak uh, against my ideology, then I won't do it. But majority of the time, I'm going to say yes. Majority of the time. If I believe in the project. 
I think you have to have some type of belief in what you want to be known because I can't remember who said it, but um, the comment was your brand, who you are, is from the time that you were born to the time that you move on. Whatever you say, whatever you do, that's your brand because people will be, will know you for specifically that. I think that's perfect uh, advice to end it on. How, last question then, how would mm-hmm. people track you down if they want to find you? I have a, a homepage on voiceoverview.com. Uh, I also am on LinkedIn under Maccabee Griffin. And you can find me on social media. Um, on, I have a uh, Twitter account at MacGriff909, M-A-C-G-R-I-F-F-909. You know, those are the places that you can, you can find me. Okay, perfect. Well, of course, throw the links into the show notes. So if anyone, uh, now that they've heard your voice and they want to uh, hire you for a gig, they can track you down. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Perfect. So, <laughs> sorry, how to do that? <laughs> well, I You're thought about welcome. it. It, it was funny because I actually thought about it. I, I thought about like, should I try to get him to do a couple voices for me? Um, but I didn't want to put you on the spot or anything. <laughs> Most of my voices are pretty easy. It's not not hard to do, but of course, I can always do other things too. It's very simple. You know, spend some time doing. <laughs> do you? Sorry, now that you did that. Uh, how do you find <laughs> it's really your own fault? We could have been done. <laughs> how do you find your voices? How do you, uh, you know, let's say you're playing a certain type of character. How do, you, how do you find the voice for that character? Um, it just depends. It depends on what the description is of the character. Um, I, I think looking at a picture is a thousand words, but also it just depends. You can go out of the way you know you can be a goblin with a, a jersey accent for for little things you know it, it doesn't it doesn't matter uh, it, it just to me i find characters from everywhere you know even just people in general you know if you have a quirky family look at them keep looking at them observe them if they have a certain way of talking that you think is hilarious by all means mimic that as much as you can and that'll be a character for me, I have a four-year-old child, so I watch a lot of things based for um, toddlers. So I can watch something that's from, you know, uh, a Blues Clues character or a Curious George character or something just out there that's off of Disney or Nicktoons and just watch them. Just keep listening to the way that that actor is speaking. Animaniacs. I love Animaniacs because... So many of those characters were by one actor. And I thought it was amazing to know that. So for me, I like I said, be observant with, with your surroundings. If you love a certain character from a video game, mimic that character as much as you can. If you love it from a certain, uh, a certain uh, TV show, go for it. That's where I get my stuff. That and sometimes it's just whatever pops into my head. And I'm like, okay, that works. Nice. All right. Well, for sure, I won't ask you any more questions this time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was great. 
Uh, well, th once again, thanks a lot. Uh, that was really informative. And uh, I hope you don't mind. We got a little off track there, but I think it was a great conversation. Well, I appreciate it. I think it was a great conversation too, if I say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing I, I, I did forget to say uh, mm -hmm. when it came to the characters, I love watching old movies from like the 30s and the 40s, Looney Tunes, stuff like that. Sometimes it's the characters from that, like uh, Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello had so many, the way that they, they timed everything was just perfect. So I like to mimic some of that as well. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of the, the mimicry, especially for people when they're starting out and stuff. It's a great way to to develop voices and characters. I mean, it's same with acting. You know, I mean, so much mm -hmm. of acting is mimicry. Uh, and Absolutely. That's the, that's the way to get started. And then from there, you kind of find your own voices and characters. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, well, once again, thanks. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for the for the uh, time.